So I just wanted to put a little disclaimer out for this episode this week. It's going to be a bit more serious and there's going to be a lot of information that will be shared. This is very serious information about the natural disasters that have happened specifically in my hometown, Bowling Green, but um, many other states as well, which you'll hear about soon. But if this is a, too serious of a topic or something that could be triggering or maybe it's uh, a sensitive subject right now or too quick to listen to it, um, please feel free to tune off at this time. Uh, I don't want to bring up anything traumatic, um, but I'm solely creating this episode to create awareness, to um, raise money as well. If you want to head over to the That's Life Pod on Instagram, the That's Life Pod, you'll find all the information on ways you can get involved. You can donate to the community. You can find a work site. You can get involved in a group. So many different ways that you can serve and you can help. So head on over to there if you'd like to help. But I just wanted to put that out there before I get into it. So hello, my name is Abby Murphy. Um, I'm 19 years old. I'm a freshman at Belmont University, but my hometown is Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I came home on Friday the 10th around, uh, I don't know, let's see, when did I leave? I got home at like, what, two-ish? Um, and that night, I went to a high school, like, uh, club party and I just stopped by and then uh, I came home went to sleep around 10 and then uh, I actually slept past the alarm I literally was so tired that I didn't even wake up to the alarm that went off on my phone and I wake up around I guess one I don't really know because I, I was asleep but I wake up to my mom coming into the room and uh, she says, Abby, Abby, like, come downstairs. We're going to get in dad's closet. And for those of you that don't know, um, which I don't really know why you would know because you don't live in my house, but my dad's closet is like our safe space. It's where we go whenever there's tornado warnings or alerts. Um, and so we take shelter in my dad's closet, which is this tiny little room and we just all cram in there. And so my mom brought a couple pillows and that was it. And we got in the closet. Um, I fell straight asleep. I was exhausted. And so I went to sleep, woke up again around, I, I guess, 3.30. Um, I'm not really sure on the times because I slept through everything. Um, but yeah, so I, I woke up and then got in my parents' bed and um, woke up again around, I guess, 9 o'clock and found out there was a tornado that I had slept through. And I really didn't think much of it because I looked outside my door and there was like trees, but it, it, no damage to houses on my street, which is insane because the street over, um, I would soon find out, was demolished. And But I, I didn't think anything of it at the time because... Bowling Green, there's a lot of, um, you know, warnings and, and there's nothing really much to come of it except get in the closet for 30 minutes and then you're fine. Um, but yeah, so we went out in the car 
um, which we would soon find out you shouldn't do because it creates traffic on the streets and it, and it creates um, like unability, un- 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 that's not a word. It creates um, p- dis- not distractions. Oh my gosh. What is the word? Like roadblocks, whatever. It gets in the way. It gets in the way of people working. Um, but it was so new and so fresh. And it was that morning, Saturday morning, uh, around 10 o'clock. And we just drive. And I can't even describe to you what like I was feeling. Like it was a new set of emotions that I had never felt before. Like this hometown that I love so much and cherish so much coming back home, especially from being at college this first semester, just to see it destroyed. I mean, just like houses of people I know who are so close to me leveled. I mean, roofs off, second stories of houses gone, windows everywhere, trees splitting down the middle of these houses debris everywhere sticks and and power lines like hanging and driving over power lines which is unsafe as well all like I can't even describe to you the amount of devastation I felt in my heart while also survivor's guilt which we'll talk more about later but like my house was it, well, I mean, we didn't have power and there were trees in the yard, but my house was fine and my family was fine. And for that, I'm so grateful and so thankful. But I also felt like this, like, why me? What, you know, and that's a, a tough thing to deal with. And I'm not trying to take away from anyone who has such devastation and deep trauma as well. Um, but just also bringing up that emotion that I felt that was like, like, why am I okay? I'm a horrible person for being okay. Um, that was going through and then just hearing constant like updates of like the areas that we would get service, um, flooding in all this like new information of, oh, this many deaths and this many things and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it, it was just, I, I can't, I still don't even know what to call the emotions. If I'm being honest, it's, I mean, you don't, you aren't used to having feelings and um, emotions of things from things that don't happen. You know, like natural disasters don't happen um, in, you know, that's the same place all the time every day to where you can start to understand the emotions. And so these new emotions I had never felt just came in and it, and it uh, was just crazy. It was crazy. And I couldn't describe it, but I knew I wanted to start helping as soon as I could. Um, so Saturday went to the church and started working, um, cleaning up trees and, and helping people. And I almost felt guilty for, um, like even smiling. I felt kind of guilty just being like, well, why should I be happy right now? Um, you know, like this is horrible, but I would see people at their houses who, who these houses were destroyed and they would be so grateful that people were coming to help them and just their faces would light up. And I soon came to realize that like we 
this is a time of devastation, but the community is coming together and we're bringing each other joy. And why try to look on the on the sad side of things when we can bring joy because that's what people so desperately need right now. And I don't want to stay away from the fact of, um, you know, like if if you need to grieve and feel sad and you should grieve and and be in touch with your emotions let that happen and find people who will do it with you um who will be there that support system for you to safely feel your emotions but i also think um we as christians go out and 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 serve others with a joyful spirit and um yeah so i i quickly came to learn that as i've been uh helping people these past I guess it's almost a week now tomorrow it'll be a week well I guess today by the time you'll be hearing this I'm filming this on a Thursday so uh it's been six days since and I've just been trying to help every day that I can um but yeah I just before I get into this I want to go ahead and pray now um before we get into all the information and then we'll kind of dive deep into what's really happened Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, me being able to serve in this way. Um, and I know it's it's different than what you would normally think of serving after a natural disaster. But um, I truly thank you for giving me a closet <laughs> to come in here and do this. And I thank you for having me realize how much I take for granted. Um, and I... I I truly apologize and I'm human and I'm sinful and I'm sorry. Um, but I thank you for what I've witnessed these past six days in the community and with people and connections that um, I've been able to be changed through. And I pray that those listening have also had similar experiences. Um, and Lord, I pray that this this podcast is everything that you want it to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, if you are not close, if you're listening and you're not close to the area, um, basically a tornado came into uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky Friday night. Um, and I'm about to read a bunch of information. This is all from New York Times, Washington Post, NBC, Good Morning America, all the big, huge news reporting, whatever, like super... Uh, high business people facts um so a tornado the tornado unleashed winds of over 150 miles per hour and for a little comparison uh yesterday it was like super windy to where like the traffic lights were blowing and that was about mm, like 12 miles per hour um so just a little comparison of really truly how how fast those winds were going um there were 60 tornadoes across nine states and one tornado reported to be at least three-fourths of a mile wide um the strongest tornado went across 130 miles uh, and i would say mayfield kentucky probably got hit the worst um just from what i've heard around uh the president came. it got so bad that the president came on wednesday which is crazy um and and uh now more towards the very devastating facts as well so there reportedly have been more than 70 people who have died in total um 
from from the tornado itself, not from the injuries, but from the tornado. Um, there there are countless in, injuries too many to count, but the death range of that has been five months to eighty six years. Um, and as of December thirteenth, fifteen of those deaths happened in Bowling Green, and we are still looking for missing people as well. Um, so this is devastating news. Um, and I, and I hate to read that off as even like a a fact, just looking at it, it, it breaks my heart. I cried the first day hearing that these, these deaths were, had occurred. And I truly can't imagine what these families are going through right now. And it breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart. Um, and I'm praying so hard for, and my heart goes out to all of, of those who have been affected. Um, so I knew I wanted to make a podcast episode about the events that had happened because one, I didn't want to make one not about the events that had happened and just act like nothing happened. Um, but I also thought this could be a really great way to serve my community. I've really been wanting to find ways to serve my community um, every day. And so at the beginning, that looked like cleaning up yards. And then once it got to the chainsaws being used and the big trees being moved, I was like, OK, I'm just going to get in the way. There's I can't help with this. Um, so then it was delivering food. And then I realized, well, there's a lot of people delivering food and as great as it is, I also don't want to be a distraction to those that are working. And um, so then I was like, well, what can I do? What can I do? The podcast. Let's make a podcast episode because this podcast is meant for the community. And I, I want to share what the community has to say. And so I reached out on my Instagram and I asked people in my community to share their stories if they felt comfortable. And I got a lot of feedback. And so I cannot wait for you guys to hear these people's stories and they're beautiful. They're as well devastating and and sad. Um, There's some God moments in here. There's some reality checks in here. There's so many different things to learn from these stories. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to share what the community had to say. So, I'll start with the little the little um, snippets first, but um, so I have this friend named Allie at church, and she prayed before the tornado. She prayed over every part of her house except the garage, and um, when the tornado hit, every part of her house was okay except the garage, and. Uh, we, we kind of joked when she was like, oh, if only I'd prayed over the garage. Um, but thank the Lord, you know, that her house is standing. Praise Jesus that her house is standing. So I thought I would just throw that little piece in there. She doesn't know I'm sharing this, but I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Um, so the first story I'd like to share is from Dawson. So this is what he has to say. I worked at four different houses for nearly six hours of constant manual labor on the first day. When I started, I found a group of ladies bringing fallen roof shingles out from the house in the driveway when I offered to help. They said they didn't know who owned the house, but they started cleaning anyway. 
The house had some broken windows and a tarp over one side of the roof, but the most damage happened to the attached garage. The foundation was standing but ultimately ruined, causing the whole structure to lean backwards. As we were cleaning, the owner finally showed up and that he was going to call a tree company to clear a huge oak that had demolished his fence. That was until he saw we were voluntarily cleaning out his driveway. He later explained that he had just moved in on Friday, the very day of the storm, after working on the house for months. But he asked to pray with me and these two other guys I met and decided to tag along. We prayed in his driveway, and after he finished, he said that that has been the only way that he's been getting through it was with God, and he's just thankful to be alive. We found another house with an older gentleman and a lady, two college-age girls and a middle-aged lady, and we asked if they could use another set of hands, and they accepted. The older couple owns the house while the rest of the ladies were just there to help, and I discovered that the man had degrees in business and finance and biology from WKU and UK, and he had attended UofL, and that he and his wife are the owners of a local restaurant. I didn't catch either of their names, but as we were leaving to move on to the next house, they gave us their thanks, and just as we were about to move, another crew of six people with rakes came in and started raking their front yard. At the third house we went to, it was this house that had appeared on Washington Post and New York Times. We got there, and people were coming out of the house with totes, trash cans, and trash bags filled to the top with ceiling insulation. One approximately middle-school-aged girl or early high school age girl, was carrying decently sized pieces of drywall without gloves. I asked if she would like a set of gloves, and she replied, Oh my gosh, please, if you have any, that would be so great. So I set my back down and handed her my spare gloves, and she went right back to help. I then walked inside and started helping where I could. I ended up in a room that was once what I assumed to be a children's playroom, but amongst all the insulation of drywall, I scooped up a Hot Wheels car, a pink stuffed rabbit, and a child's Sperry shoe that fit in the palm of my hand. It was at this house, though, that I met a lady, whose name I did not catch, who said she was originally from St. Louis, where when natural disasters happen, you carry a gun to defend yourself from looters. But she said that she was with the police department there for 12 years before moving here to Bowling Green nine years ago. It was after we finished, we found these gentlemen carrying a lot of tangled sticks, branches, and logs from a fallen tree and throwing it all in a wood chipper. They said we could help them, so we got to work pulling branches and throwing them into piles. While working, a gentleman came from two houses down with his chainsaw, and without asking, he started cutting up large chunks of the tree into smaller pieces. After that, it was nearly three o'clock and I was exhausted, and the people I was with decided they wanted to go help at a shelter for the rest of the day, so we all decided to leave. On our way out of the neighborhood, we stumbled into old friends of mine. They said that they had been out there since 12 and that they were going to continue working. We said our goodbyes, and then we left. I got home, and my left knee was hurting, my feet were aching, and my heels had hot spots and blisters. But even though my body was hurting, I felt great on the inside. That is just a an amazing example of what I have witnessed every day going outside and seeing our community serve one another constantly and I love what he said at the very end even though my body was hurting I felt great on the inside serving others is such a selfless thing to do and the fact that you can feel great after doing it just proves the glory of the Lord And 
I truly thank you, Dawson, for everything that you have done for our community. And I'm truly thankful for you and your spirit and how you just went from house to house. And it's a beautiful thing to hear in in your story that um, people just started helping. They don't even know who they're helping. They just help. And they don't like without even asking, they just come and they know it needs to be done and it, it gets done. Um, it's beautiful to see my community come together in this way. So the next story is from my friend Trinity. And this is what she said. The food truck and concessions manager I worked for called me to help her make about 500 hot dogs to pass out on Sunday afternoon. We got a lot out to people just in their backyards and around all the ruined streets, but we still had about 200 left by the time it got dark. So we were driving down part of the bypass just trying to find anyone who needed food and we came across these two white tents. So we were like, might as well give this a shot. We didn't know what they were there for or who was gathered under them, but we pulled up and told them what we had it was greenwood baptist church and they were handing out chili to anyone that needed dinner they had literally just ran out of chili and prayed that god would somehow provide them with more food and right after that is when we drove up with 200 meals literally that gives me chills just hearing that such a beautiful story such a beautiful story so this next story is from my friend scott hi scott if you're listening i love you Um, From someone who is not in the tornado, I cannot imagine what it felt like, but I do know the amount of stress and pain it has brought the families that were in the tornado. Many of the families in Bowling Green when I was there had nothing left of their houses. The families were supervising cleanup at their house while the rest of the family took shelter, trying to find everyday needs. Although I was not in the tornado, I was affected. My mentor for my Eagle project lost his house. I figured the least I could do is help him move the stuff that was there since he helped me get through one of the most difficult but earned challenges of my life as an Eagle Scout. Saturday morning, my family went to assess the situation of what was left. His house was missing a roof as well as the walls bowing out, and his garage had no roof and the walls had collapsed, and his shed was missing. When I say his shed was missing, I mean there was nothing left anywhere in the neighborhood except two pots from his camp supplies he stored in it. Saturday, my family worked from sunrise to sunset trying to recover anything valuable, and Sunday, we went to help clean up and put everything left from his garage in a secure location so it wouldn't have any further damage. The one thing that absolutely amazed me was the amount of people that were just ready to help. There were men that would go from one house to the next, cutting down trees and poles, and women helping organize belongings and sorting them. There were church groups and Boy Scouts setting up portable kitchens for those working so that we could eat there on the site and save time trying to go get food. It was absolutely amazing seeing the community gather together to help. Nobody asked for anything in return of their services. They just did it. With good, though, comes the bad. Monday, sadly, at the apartments behind us and the houses down the street, things were found. I worked as a search and rescue team member trying to recover needs from houses. Some search and rescue members found bodies. We saw them carrying bodies from miles where their bodies should have been, as well as parts of bodies. When the body was recovered, everyone near just kind of stopped for a bit. I can't even imagine what's going through the families of those who lost someone and more so those who are still missing. It is a trying time helping those search and rescue families who lost someone and more so of those who are still missing, but the community is here to help. I can't wait to see how much BG can help even more as we try to find these families some homes to stay in. Wow. Um, The reality of this situation 
continues to just break my heart it breaks my heart and it's so sad and I mourn with those who are mourning and grieving right now um this is from a girl named Campbell hi Campbell if you're listening my family was extremely blessed we live on Magnolia where several houses were destroyed and have had their roofs blown off while we only suffered minor damage to our houses and cars, me and my brother were both upstairs and I had just woken up when it came down our street, so we are fortunate that it didn't take our roof. And the tree outside my room fell the other direction. God was definitely at work that night. I didn't realize the extent of all the damage until the next morning when I saw how badly the rest of our neighborhood was hit. It made me so humbled to see how much that they had lost. What has touched me the most has been the outpouring of support to us in our street. It has been amazing. The next day, I had friends, family, teachers, kids from school, and even strangers offering to help in any way that they could. As of now, we're just waiting for power to be turned back on and hoping to be able to stay in our home before Christmas. People, Christmas is not canceled. That's one thing, like people that do have power right now, um, there's a sweet old man in our neighborhood and he, and he felt guilty for having his, his Christmas lights on, but his house brings so much joy to so many people as they drive by it. And my mom and I were like, no, keep your lights. Like joy is exactly what people need right now. Christmas isn't canceled. Like, yes, this has happened, but Christmas is, is the, the celebration of Jesus's birthday, the birth, the birth of the son of our father. And, and it's a beautiful holiday. Um, and it's not canceled. It's still here. Um, even though this is such a devastating, devastating time, we can rejoice in the fact that our father is, was born so soon and, um, is going to have a celebration to where he was born so soon. Um, so this story is from Maggie. As I witnessed destruction in the severity in Mayfield, Kentucky on Friday night, worrying about my own town and house, I decided to stay up and watch WBKO and track the storm with Shane Holland. To my amazement, I woke up to the alert on the TV and my phone going off and Shane telling us to get in a safe spot. My mom ran out of her room and when the sirens went off, we hooked up our three dogs and put pickles in his cat carrier. Faith and I threw everything out of my closet and stuck our pets in there. While they were waiting, I wake up Ian, and as he's grabbing his shoes, his blanket, and his pillow, I told him to hide in the closet with our pets. He was the most important human to be safe. As my brother began protecting our electronics, not knowing whether they would be lost or not, we threw our laptops in his backpack and placed it in his closet, and my mom was gathering her purse, shoes, car, and car keys. I was also gathering my keys, power banks, phone chargers, my shoes, and a sweatshirt, not knowing what we would have left. Not too long after, the lights began to flicker and the power went out. All we could hear was a severe storm outside the house. But soon, my family, pets, and I decided it was time for us to take refuge in a tiny closet holding tight to the door. Our ears popped and we had loads of pressure on our heads. And that's when the tornado came through. Soon after, Bob called Ath asking if we were okay and then informing us that our garage was completely destroyed but to stay put there was a flashlight outside it was bob we went outside to assess the damage that we could see and he was right our garage was destroyed and there was no roof 
My car was also crushed by a tree. We tried to run down and see the new recliner we bought dad for Christmas, but it was no hope. The wind and rain started to pick up, and for the next five hours, we waited until the storm ended. We woke up at 6.45 to see the true damage that the tornado had caused. Now, here are some Jesus moments that Maggie also um, attached here. So she said, right before the tornado hit, my mom prayed over our family and our safety. The Lord prevailed. Not only are all of us and our pets unscathed, so is my dad that had his job in E-Town, my grandparents in Franklin, Kentucky, my aunt, and my sisters that live in an apartment complex on campus. Knowing it could have been worse, I am thankful for the Lord's protection. Saturday night or Sunday night and Monday night, the stars were so prevalent. It reminded me of the song, So Will I, where it says, if the stars were made to worship, so will I. His presence felt so close, and for that, I am so in awe of his handiwork. Hope. As we know, the Lord works for good. This tornado is caused by the brokenness that has entered the world. I don't blame God for this. However, as I do more in some parts of my property that was destroyed by the tornado, and although there is a long road ahead, it gives me hope even to be able to see a road ahead. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 which says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Right after the tornado had passed, my neighborhood called to check on us. Then my sister that lives in Mimosa, and then my friend, Haley, texted me and asked about us. And that was right after it happened. That Saturday, after the tornado hit, I was getting numerous texts, calls, and knocks at my door asking about my family and I's welfare. They were quick to ask what we needed and if we needed anything. My family was overwhelmed not knowing where to start, so we accepted it. Thankfully, we did. So many people were willing to give up their Sunday and serve my family and cut down and pick up the debris that was left from the destruction. It only took two and a half hours to be able to see both the front and the back of our yard. That is super quick for what it looked like before anyone helped. I had friends from Owensboro ready to come help Saturday night, but I told them to come Sunday. I had a friend from Louisville drive here to help, and the support the Lord gave us was overwhelming, and it reminded me of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. We as a family have been taking it day by day, not out of fear or grief. We just take it day by day because we are truly trusting the Lord. The Lord provided us people who care for us and provide us meals, even all the way from Georgia. The Lord is testing our faith, and it reminds me of Paul and how he talks about taking joy in the trials. The people who have volunteered have been Greenwood High School football team, Living Hope Baptist Church, and Friends from Crossings Camp. That is beautiful. Maggie, I... I'm so in awe and have such an appreciation for your outlook on this situation. And you are such an inspiration for so many people. So this story is from Lily. So the big, the first big scare that I will never forget was when one of my brothers wouldn't answer his phone. It was like 1.30 or 2 a.m. when my parents woke me up in order to get downstairs in the closet because of the, tor- the tornado. So I was texting everyone that I knew to make sure that they were okay. One of my brothers answered, saying him and my sister and my niece were okay and in the bathroom, but my brother Caleb never answered. And then we got a text from my aunt saying that her friend's son was in the tornado. His apartment's roof got destroyed and his windows were all blown out, blown out and his car windows were all shattered and two by fours were flying in his room. When we got that phone call, we started panicking because Caleb was at WKU in his apartment right where the tornado was. 
With no answer still, it was about 2.30 and WBKO got on and said that there was a mass casualty tent set up on campus. We were terrified and worried that Caleb wasn't okay. And finally, around 3.30 a.m., we got a call from my brother after calling more than 20 times. He had slept through it. Cody was on the phone with my mom telling her that they could hear the tornado going all around their house. Cody didn't want to scare us that night, so when we got up to BG Saturday during the day, he told us that the tornado was half a mile from their house, and where it hit, there was only foundation. Saturday, we spent all day handing out waters, trying to help as much as we could. We went back home because we couldn't be there all night helping. Sunday, I went to church in the morning for about 20 minutes, and I got a call saying that we were going back to BG to help. We went to Moss Middle School to help and hand out things to people who lost everything. It was devastating to see how many little kids were there and didn't know what was happening. We then went to the old Cumberland Trace Elementary School, where we helped organize and supplies in order for people to be able to walk through and get what they needed. I can tell you that the pictures I saw compared to seeing it in real person was the worst part. I didn't think it was bad until I got to BG. When we got home, I probably left the house three to four times alone until I worked through everything and was able to feel good about what I did. I can tell you that if it wasn't finals week, I would be in BG right now helping in any way that I could. That's one thing I will say. I had one more final left that I was going to drive up to um, take on Monday. And that weekend, I emailed my teacher and I was like, listen, um, I is there any way I can take this final online Like once I get power back? And they were so like accommodating and just wanting to help like yes you can take this online um it 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 was very very sweet so thank you belmont <laughs> so this story is actually from cody who is her brother so this is what cody has to say i've had a chance to be out amongst our community and despite this devastate this devastation the outpouring of assistance has been nothing short of beautiful my favorite so far has been yesterday. I went out with my church, Christ Fellowship, with one chainsaw and about 10 people initially. Our instructions from the volunteer center located at the old mall were to knock on doors and ask homeowners if we could help clear their yards in Covington Street. The first few houses had no response, probably due to the power outage or homeowners not being there. We ended up catching an elderly lady who was also a believer in her 70s on her front porch and she was so thankful for us to be there. She recounted the story to me of how she sat in the hallway that night of the storms by herself and waited. She recalled praying, God, 70 is long enough. If you need to call me home, that's okay. We spent all day clearing her backyard at the peak. I counted 45 people and six or seven chainsaws by the end of it. The only way I've been able to describe that to people is the fish and loaf story, because I honestly had no idea where over half the people were. There were several people who I greeted with hugs that I had seen days earlier. Even after two days working side by side, I still have no idea who some of the people were. If that doesn't give you an example of how our community has come together then I don't I don't know what will it's beautiful hearing these community stories um and just seeing how God is working in everyone's lives now I also reached out on my Instagram and asked like what people were struggling with and 
every person who responded said survivor's guilt. The survivor's guilt is real. I'm dealing with this this feeling of feeling guilty that bad things didn't happen to me like they did to others. So I did a little research because I wanted to um, get a little more information on this topic and I found this article on faithlife.com and I think it's beautiful so I'm going to read what I found from there. So first it says, psychiatrics call survivor's guilt a phenomenon in which someone survives a traumatic event thinking he or she didn't deserve to survive. It can be recognized as post-traumatic stress disorder. So with that in mind, here is what I found. Peter was one of Jesus's closest companions. It was Peter who dropped his nets and followed Jesus against all common sense. It was Peter who recognized Jesus as the son of the living God before anyone else. It was Peter who told Jesus with passion that he would lay down his life for Jesus. It was Peter who followed Jesus in the early hours of his arrest, unlike the other disciples who had hightailed it to safety. Yet it was Peter who hours later would deny Jesus three times and the third time to his face. Fast forward a few weeks after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and we find Peter downcast in his soul. He knew he had failed Jesus in his, in his greatest hour of need. He had told Jesus he would die in his place, but he didn't have the guts to go through with it. I think Peter was suffering from survivor's guilt. Think about it. He had survived a traumatic event, the death of the Lord and Savior. He and the other disciples at first went into hiding, thinking that they would be the next one arrested for their faith. Peter acted like a coward when courage was needed. He had looked up into Jesus' eyes as he denied him. He knew he let down his Lord and Savior. He knew his ver- at his very core that his denial of Jesus was wrong, but he did it anyways, and it ate him. It kept him up at night. It was the place his mind would go hour by hour, separating him further from the reality of the situation. I think he felt that he had done something wrong by surviving. And then Jesus simply met him where he was, in his pain and in his guilt. Perhaps one of the darkest hours of his life, Peter went fishing. And John chapter 21 details and tells us what happens. Peter's fishing and he knows it is his master that he sees on the shore. So Peter sees him from the boat and he ties his clothes around himself and he jumps in the water and he goes to settle the matter of his denial with the one he betrayed. John chapter 21 verse 15 through 19 contains one of the greatest discourses on restoration in scripture. And three questions Jesus asks Peter if he loves him unconditionally or even as a friend. Peter's taken aback that Jesus would even ask him if he was his friend. He answers yes every time. And Jesus tells Peter that if he loves him, he'll care for his flock Jesus will give him. He meets Peter at the place where he hurts the most. He removes Peter's pain and guilt from the greatest denial that would otherwise haunt him forever. Jesus shows Peter that he still trusts him. He restores Peter by trusting him with his precious flock. Restoration from God in the flesh. It can't get any better than that. You have to recognize that feelings of remorse after a tragic event are natural feelings. It takes time to heal. Healing begins with placing these feelings into the nail-pierced arms of Jesus, and he longs to lift that burden from your heart. Sometimes healing means seeking a professional Christian counselor to help in the process that you've been going through. 
Lastly, healing means getting involved in a cause bigger than you. That's what Peter did. He ran to Jesus, the ultimate counselor, restorer, and healer. He placed himself at Jesus's feet and listened to what Jesus had to say. As Jesus walked Peter through the concept of loving Jesus and loving others, Peter was restored. His small group of godly men and women helped him and encouraged him as he and his fellow disciples ushered the, mo- the movement called Christianity. Peter responded to Jesus's encouragement with faith, direction, and courage. And we have an incredible application of scripture for us in the story. So finally, I just want to finish up with some uh, scripture that has helped me get through this time. So one thing that really has been heavy on my heart, and I'm sure it's been heavy on lots of others' hearts, is just hearing about these deaths Um, and going about the right way to deal with this. I I don't think there really is a right way. I mean, death is is sad it's a sad thing um on on this earth but when we think in terms of realizing that those who have passed get to live with the father forever in a perfect kingdom for eternity without any evil at their best and at their happiest we can rest in the fact that we know that that they are living the best that they've ever lived and ever can live. Um, so I reached out to one of my friends, shout out to Chamberlain. If you're listening to this, Chamberlain Little, gotta love him. Um, and I asked him for some advice on, on dealing with this topic. And he gave me the verse Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Um, and I think that's a beautiful way to go about people who are struggling. Just be there for them. It's very easy. Um, to always want to look on the bright side of things and I think that's a beautiful trait to have however with things that are so recent and how things are still very fresh just being there for someone and not even saying anything could be exactly what they need as well um mourning with someone who mourns being there for someone who is sad and letting them know it's okay to be sad and letting them uh allowing them to have you be a place where that where they can let out those sad feelings um, is also a beautiful way to support friends and family who are struggling right now. So I read Psalm 30 and something that stuck out to me was, you're about to hear me click my computer because I'm about to scroll around. Um, But something that really stuck out to me was verse five and verse 11. And verse five has been on my mind and heart for so long because I've never truly literally experienced this before but verse 5 says there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning I have never literally experienced that before and there was pain in the night a tornado a natural disaster came in the night and in the morning you see people who are joyfully serving I've never truly experienced that before um I mean I have, you know, in other ways, but it's just so prevalent and it seems to relate so much with that verse. Um, And then the other verse that stuck out to me was verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing and you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. We can turn mourning into dancing, just like the song, you turn mourning to dancing. Yeah, yeah, that song. Um, This is sadness, but we can rejoice in the fact of 
of being thankful for what we have and being thankful for the people who are serving us. Um, Philippians chapter two, verse four says, do not look to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of other others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Second Chronicles chapter 15 verse 7 but as for you be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded first peter chapter 4 verse 10 each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of god's grace in its various forms romans 12 13 share with the lord's people who are in need practice hospitality all of these verses come together to just show how we can serve and how we should should should, oh my goodness should serve and how we can be there for other people's in any way that we can first peter chapter 4 verse 10 um each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others that doesn't mean that john's way of serving is going to be the same as sally's way of serving you know what i mean i've i felt that a little bit and like oh well i really want to be out and like clearing things up and because that seems to be like the way of serving, you know, but I, there's only so much I can do to where I'll just get in the way. And my gift is different from the people who actually know how to operate a chainsaw's gift is, you know what I mean? Like just because I'm not doing that doesn't mean I'm not serving in my own way. Even making this podcast is a way of serving. Um, on Friday, I'm, I'm going to go be a princess and, and that's going to provide entertainment for children who don't have entertainment right now because they don't have a house that they can stay in. And so that's a way of serving all of these different ways of serving, um, where you think you're not doing enough or you think, you know, you can't contribute, find your gift, find, find your way, ask the Lord, how can I use what you have given me to help serve? You know, maybe you love baking. Okay. Bake some cookies and go pass them out. Maybe your gift is writing. Um, okay. Write letters to people that brings joy. People so desperately need joy right now. Maybe you're not sure what your gifts are, but go out and try what you can. And then maybe you'll find something that resonates with you through that. Um, serve in the way that you feel led and don't compare. Um, because everyone's different and we're all just trying to do what we can. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, so those verses have really touched me. Um, and, and, uh, it, it just, there's so many more about serving in the Bible, but um, those are just a couple that maybe you might cling to one that'll and it'll help you um, push through when times get hard during this time of restoring our community and, and selflessly giving. Um, so yeah. I, I thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Again, if you want to give, if you want to serve, if you want to get involved in some way or donate, please head over to the That's Life pod. Um, it'll probably be the most recent uh, picture. I'll post, I'll post something on Friday, Friday morning. Um, and then I'll also have like edits in my highlights as well. Um, but look around on there and there will be links and and groups and notices and things that you'll be able to see involving the tornado if you want to give or donate. Um, and I thank you guys so much for listening, for hearing people's stories. There's so many more out there. Be there for those who need you and serve in the way that you can. 
Um, I love you all. God bless you all. Please stay safe as we all continue to restore our communities. And I pray so much for each and every one of you and everything um, that you are going through during this time. And please reach out to me if there's any way that I can serve you in any way. Please let me know and I will do the best that I can to um, fulfill that need um, in the way that you need. Is that the right way to word that? I don't know. It wouldn't be a That's Life pod without me being awkward in some way. So there we go. Um, I love you all and Jesus loves you. Stay safe. Thank you.